0: You missed your cue, Sean. The IRS comes knocking. Knock, knock, knock,
1: knock, knock. You can just insert it. Yeah, I can. (laughs) Who's there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The IRS.
1: Not home.
0: IRS who? (laughs) Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. We are continuing our superhero series because our goal is to help you supercharge your retirement. We've already done a podcast on the power of the HSA, that's a health savings account, and a podcast on the power of the Roth. So check those out they're part of our superhero series. Also, one more thing, we've got a YouTube channel, Merkle Retirement Planning. We've done some stuff with our superheroes there, and you can check out the superhero series and see some really cool graphics that producer rochelle smith put with them i love the cape right every yeah. superhero needs a cape right rochelle obviously she's done some really neat graphics uh with our tv show so you should check that out but some people who are really neat and really ready to go today two superheroes of mercury retirement planning abby huntrods and sean honkamp you guys your designations you're always adding more to your designations so you fill the people
2: in abby what are your current designations that you have right now I'm a retirement income, certified professional, and then a certified financial fiduciary. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot of designations, and I know important stuff. Uh, that means that basically you're staying up on
0: all the industry standards. You're, you've studied, and, and, and I know you really really hard to, to put the, all those things behind your name. Sean, what are your designations?
1: And before I answer, I, I was confident when I finished with my undergraduate degree from the University of Northern Iowa that I was done studying. And then, <laughs> and then... F- five or 10 years later, decided to pursue my MBA. Ooh, you know, did yeah. that over a course of a few years. But as far as current certifications, um, active CPA. Um, I'm also the CFF, which Abby mentioned, and then also an RICP, which Abby touched on already as well
0: good for you guys and the test taking never ends really in this industry you guys will keep studying keep testing and keep uh keep up on all things Rochelle and I we don't have any letters behind our names Nope. (laughs) but you know what that's okay because I've got a lot of enthusiasm for today's subject and it is of course the non-qualified account it's it's the superhero of today but we first have to talk about superheroes just a little bit uh, Rochelle, I remember your superpower, you wanted to disappear. Correct. You sticking with that one still? Yep. yep. Sean, I forgot what
1: you said your superpower would be if you could choose. I, d- I don't think I was on that one. Oh, okay. Because well, I, I remember listening to it and not sure what I would go with.
0: You still don't have an answer?
1: Well, I would pick maybe being invisible.
0: Invisible. Okay. Which in can Rochelle. be great,
1: good and bad, but...
0: We can be invisible together. Right. <laughs> you guys would be disappearing all around the office. We'd be like, "There's Sean." Nope, no, he's not. Nope. He's gone. Where, where's Sean? <laughs> Abby, if you could have a superpower, what would you choose? Gosh, I think I'd have to go with
2: flying. Flying,
0: yeah. amazing, Sounds fun, right? Isn't it? You could see the world, come yeah. back, see the, have the afternoon, work in the office. <laughs> um, superhuman strength is one of the most popular superpowers I was watching you know the, the kind of research I do so you guys study um, like really boring like <laughs> tax legislation and you guys have to know like numbers and insurance laws well today I was watching YouTube in preparation for today's podcast and the most popular super super power of superheroes in cinema is superhuman strength so I tried that one and I also learned here's a fun fact dung beetles can lift more than 1,000 times their weight. Talk about super strength. Wow. I, I, might have,
1: I might have to add that to one of my goals to try <laughs> to get closer to that. Put that on your vision Capacity, board. yes.
0: Now to the real superhero of today's episode, the non-qualified account. And Sean, I'm gonna start with you. I mean, the title alone to me is just a little bit intimidating because I don't really know what all the words mean. Again, this is the stuff that you guys study. And I know, you know, even the common investor listening has probably heard of it, but I think it's good to set the stage by breaking down exactly what a non-qualified account is.
1: Yeah, not everybody even uses that same terminology. So non-qualified is certainly not something you're gonna hear in your day-to-day language. But really the the non-qualified account is really just, it's an extension of your bank accounts. I mean, your bank accounts are non-qualified accounts. Um, really, what the non-qualified means is they're not within the shelter of a IRS-qualified savings or retirement account. 401Ks and IRAs fall underneath the qualified category, which... Whereas what we're talking about today is that non-qualified. So your checking account or your paycheck goes into your checking account. If if you fill up your checking account, people then tend to start moving money to the savings account. When they fill up that to a point where they have enough money there, then generally people will maybe open a brokerage account. Which is the advantage of that um, is where you can now start investing that within into some certain funds or or ETFs or whatever the course or whatever the case might be.
0: Yeah, and we're going to really dive into some of the superpowers. But Abby, the big
2: overarching superpower of the non-qualified account, do you think it's what? What do you think it is? Um, the fact that it's non-qualified, you know, sometimes is deemed a negative, but honestly, it's taxed in a little bit more favorable of a way, or can be. So non-qualified accounts that are invested in the markets um, are taxed on a capital gains basis. And thanks to a legislative change that happened in 2008, we're now able to realize long-term capital gains and potentially pay 0% uh, federal tax on it. So if you can utilize that, um, you know, tax efficiency of the non-qualified account and incorporate that within the rest of your portfolio that hopefully also incorporates some Roth money and some tax deferred money, then that's where you can really help increase your spendable income and improve the overall tax efficiency of your portfolio.
0: Let's talk about how this works then within a, a, a pre-retirement plan, Sean, or a retiree's plan. So let's say you've already got some of the traditional stuff that, that people have. They've got some some cash. You talked about that. They maybe got a 401k. Maybe they've been doing the IRA thing. They might even also have life insurance. Is, is this something you move to once you've, Done all of those things, and then you consider a brokerage account, or should you be starting that? I know we have some people that listen to this podcast that are even a lot younger. Is that something you start when you're younger?
1: Uh, I think the the non qualified accounts really grow out of you know depending on how disciplined you are and how much visibility you have to your cash flow. Right, when we're younger, we're maybe you know, have car loans. Maybe we're paying off college education. So we have student loans. And obviously, generally, we're making less money when we're younger, right? We all aspire to get better and, and have, earn a higher income as we go through our career. Um, so the ex- the excess cash isn't always there when you're in your 20s and 30s. So the non-qualified accounts aren't as common and probably aren't as, the, the balances aren't going to be as high when we're younger. As we go through our careers and advance with your financial planning. Um, Ideally, you're paying off debt, you're earning more income. Um, If you're in a position where maybe you're maxing out your 401k contributions and possibly your IRA contributions, then this is where you can start to go to next. This is extra cash that you're bringing home from your paychecks that aren't being used on a month-to-month basis. Start saving them into your checking account, savings account, and then you start utilizing and growing that non qualified account.
0: Okay, so, Abby, I've done all those things that Sean said, which I haven't yet. Oh, that paying off debt part. Or, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't like that one at all. Um, or I'm working on it, let's put it that way. I haven't gotten to that one yet. So, I've done all the things Sean talked about. I'm a pre retiree, maybe even a retiree, uh, Abby, and I come to you as a retirement planner and so say, I'm ready to start one of these non qualified accounts. I think I'm there what options do I have once I've, I've, we've started
2: that conversation? So if you're looking at just getting started, I mean, ultimately you can choose, um, either an individual account, a joint account if you're married, Um, you want to make sure that you put what's called a POD on that account, um, similar to bank accounts, where it's simply titling the account with beneficiaries um, so that if something were to happen to you and your spouse, if it's a joint account, then those assets transfer directly to the beneficiaries um, that you, you know, want to receive that money. Um, but you get it set up, and, and if you want to, you know, automate monthly contributions, you know, that's an option. It can be invested automatically. Let's say you have an existing non-qualified account, though. There's definitely um, some value in just measuring whether or not you have an appropriate level in that particular bucket. So we talk a lot about the three different buckets. You know, there's the Roth bucket, which tax-free, grows tax-free forever, um, but you don't get that tax deduction up front when you put that money in. And then there's the tax deferred bucket where you get the tax deduction up front, grows tax deferred, and then it's fully taxable when you start pulling that money out. The non-qualified bucket is that third bucket. So um, when you're kind of building out these different buckets within your portfolio, there is such a thing as having too much money in that non-qualified bucket, especially if maybe you don't have much or anything in that Roth bucket. So something that you might consider or look at doing is kind of earmarking some of this non-qualified money to pay the taxes on a Roth conversion. You know, a lot of people who have maybe a meaningful amount in a non-qualified account, it's because they are high wage earners and they were never eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA. So that's kind of it makes it hard to get a meaningful amount into the Roth if you make too much money to contribute and maybe you don't have that as an option underneath your 401k plan. So one strategy then, you know, at point of retirement or near retirement is saying, okay, you know, I have X amount of money in this non-qualified account and I really need to build out this You know, this Roth money because taxes are historically low and there's a lot of you know benefit in looking at some of these tax planning strategies on a proactive basis. So then, you know, using that non-qualified money to pay the taxes on the conversion and maximize then the amount that actually gets into the Roth IRA rather than withholding that tax from the conversion is one strategy to consider if maybe you have some money in a non-qualified account um, and you don't have the other buckets appropriately built out
1: and as far as creating and establishing a non-qualified account it's really simple you know those can be done from anywhere to your local community banks some banks of certain sizes allow you to create that individual brokerage account and, and where you can invest in it. Otherwise it's, it's any of the large platforms, you know, a TD Ameritrade, a Fidelity, a um, just any of, you know, some of the, the, the newer apps that maybe I'm not up to speed on just any of those online platforms, you can create that non-qualified account. And then what do you do with the funds, right? I think there's some questions around that really the entire market is available to you. And that means whether you want to go out there and you know, pick some direct equity or stock positions, whether you want to utilize exchange-traded funds or mutual funds or um, and leave it in cash, right? I mean, there's times where, you know, people, we've seen volatility lately and some people aren't comfortable even being in the markets right now. So you are at full control of it. Um, one of the greatest advantages of the non-qualified account is those funds are fully liquid and fully accessible to you. Right, so that's what that's one of the biggest things of that is that ex, that is extra cash that you've accumulated that you're saving on a month-to-month basis, and you know you can go grab that at any given time and use it.
0: Are there limits to how much you can have in one of these accounts, or how much you can put in uh, per
1: year? And that's probably a, another one of the greatest advantages of the, is there are no limits to it. Again, the non-qualified part means that's not you're not trying to uh, try to be in accordance with an IRS rule or qualification such that there are no limitations, the the more cash and money you can accumulate in there, generally is great. I think Abby touched on that a little bit. There might be a point where you don't want to be just continuing to build and build cash, you know, without a plan or a strategy on maybe how you could be more efficient with that cash. We, we generally talk, you know, maybe six to 18 months, whatever range you're comfortable of having um, that number of months of your living expenses covered and in a safety account or emergency funds, and once you get beyond that, then you maybe you just need to start thinking about maybe some of the advanced strategies of where you can start um, utilizing that cash in a more efficient manner.
2: Or sometimes what we see in retirement is maybe these accounts are used for like the one-off expenses. You know, they need a new car or um, they want to buy a vacation home and they need a down payment because it is liquid and there you know are typically minimal taxes associated with it unless it's been invested for a long time. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to having that as kind of like a, an emergency fund that's hopefully growing, you know, faster than it would be at a bank. Um, but also when you want to pull 30000 out and buy a car, you know, if you have to pull that from a taxable account, then there's a pretty big tax bill that comes with that too. Um, so it just gives us more options as far as, you know, funding some of those uh, types of expenses in retirement.
1: Yeah, that's another great point, Abby, is when you do have some of those specific earmarked expenses, then yeah, you want to factor that in, uh, you know, in and above that, you know, six to 12 months or 18 months of emergency savings that you and and your family are comfortable with.
0: And do you guys feel like it's worth going into the capital gains a little bit? I mean, are there some uh, things that people should understand about how capital gains are taxed before they open up one of these accounts?
1: Yeah, the taxation of the non-qualified is important. So, I mean, interest and income that gets paid out in the current year is going to be considered ordinary income and taxed at whatever your marginal tax rate is. Um, The the growth in the investments that you own, um, you know, once you hit that 12-month holding period, uh, then that moves from short-term gains to long-term capital gains. And in most situations, the long-term capital gains are going to be at a lower rate and more advantageous. So when you are investing into things, you, you know ideally the goal is that you'll hold that for at least 12 months. Um, so while I mentioned before that maybe these funds are always accessible to you, you still want to be thinking about it and analyzing your current gain position and how long you've held it and what that means to you from a taxation standpoint if you are going to um, liquidate some of your positions and start utilizing or start using that cash for some you know certain expense.
0: So let's say you've... You've got one of these non-qualified accounts. You've built up some meaningful wealth. It's time to retire. Abby, how do you use the account as income in retirement?
2: So I think an easy way to demonstrate the value of having these different buckets um, is an example that we use a lot. So if you, in retirement, you have you know a portion of your portfolio in the Roth, a portion in the tax-deferred bucket, and a portion in the non-qualified bucket... If you pull, you know, a little bit from the tax-deferred account and you pull a little bit from the Roth IRA and you pull some long-term gains out of that non-qualified account, depending on where your income ends up, you know, you're going to pay 0% tax on the Roth distribution. You could pay 0% on the non-qualified distribution Because if you happen to fall within the 12% federal bracket right now, then those long-term gains can be realized at the 0% federal level. Um, So by paying 0% on two-thirds of the distributions that you're pulling out of these different buckets, then that just leaves the tax-deferred IRA that's generating the taxable income for you. So... Overall, you pay a lot less in, you know, taxes that year and you're able to increase your spendable income, which is ultimately, you know, what our goal is. We want to put more money back in your pockets so that you can go and live the retirement that you have been envisioning and and go and do the things that you've been looking forward to doing. Um, So building out that diversification is the hard part. Once you have those different buckets, then it's just a matter of identifying each year, okay, you know, what long-term gains can we realize this year in order to improve our tax efficiency. Um, How much should we take from the Roth? How much should we take from the deferred uh, bucket? So it all, you know, certainly works together. um, And that's, you know, what we're here for is to help just improve uh, the tax efficiency on the distribution end too.
1: And a lot of what we do when it comes to the comprehensive planning is built around having control and options. So the things that Abby just touched on and and talked about, you don't just wake up on retirement day and think, "All right, what do we, what do we, you know, how's this going to work?" You, the more time you have, leading up until retirement, the better position you're going to be in, um, if you have the time to develop these strategies, right? If you have, if you're not saving and, and putting money into a non-qualified account along the way, if you're not you know, utilizing the Roth vehicles that you have while you're in your working career leading up into retirement, then you're going to have fewer options. So, you know, we stress that we like to work with people, you know, about within 10 years of retirement. That's a great time frame that allows you to start building that plan and start implementing some of these different strategies such that when you wake up in retirement and maybe year one of retirement, when you're going to show less income, you're in a position where you can take advantage of some of these opportunities and some of the, you know, just the the conditions that are available to you.
0: There's some strategies around the required minimum distribution age and the non-qualified account that you guys want to make sure people at least can be thinking about. What are they?
2: Yeah, so with RMDs, you know, if if you're in a position where you don't need that money for income, then a lot of times what families end up doing is, you know, pulling the money out of the tax-deferred account, satisfying that RMD, and then reinvesting, you know, after the taxes have been paid, um, reinvesting that RMD into that non-qualified account. That's going to help, you know, kind of maximize things from a legacy standpoint. But we also have a unique opportunity this year with the CARES Act that passed because RMDs have been suspended for 2020. Um, And actually, you have until um, August, if you took an RMD earlier this year, to go ahead and put that money back into the retirement account. Um, And it's, you know, basically you can negate any distribution that you already took this year. There is a deadline on that. So you want to make sure, you know, does it make sense for you? you? That needs to be a conversation that you have with, you know, your retirement planner, hopefully. But what's cool about it is it then opens the door for, you know, this year to do some additional tax planning because those RMDs aren't forced, aren't required, Um, So maybe it makes sense for you to do a conversion, a Roth conversion with that amount that you would have otherwise been required to take out. Um, You know, anytime you have like Sean touched on, anytime we have options and flexibility, you know, evaluating those options is really going to put more control back in your hands. um, and, And that's always a good thing, I think.
1: Yeah, and you, you were just touching on what I was thinking about. It. I mean, the RMDs, that's another component where we talk about having the options and control. And the more time you have, you know, if you're in a position where over a certain number of years, if it made sense from a tax standpoint to, you know, move more of your money out of the pre-tax, you know, traditional uh, vehicles and into Roth, then you'll have lower RMDs. You know, the IRS comes calling when you turn age 72 and starts forcing you to take some of those the distributions from that pre-tax money, but the Roth vehicles, the Roth funds are not subject to RMD. So if the, again, if the, the more time you had to plan, uh, you're, you're in a stronger control position when you have to realize less income because of your RMDs from age 72 and beyond.
0: The last thing that's important to talk about with the superhero, the non-qualified account is the legacy plan you can build that in to what happens to your money when you're gone.
1: Yet another advantage of the non-qualified account is the positions that we in. We talked about investing in just different things, these equity positions or whatever you own. Upon your passing, when it comes to your legacy plan, the, the basis, those investments get stepped up to fair market value basis, meaning the beneficiaries that are going to receive those funds, those investments, They now have a higher basis, which was not subject to tax for them. The other vehicles, the Roth, the pre-tax, whatever tax status those funds are in, they remain the same. But there is this advantage with the step-up in basis of these non-qualified accounts.
2: And that's the way things stand currently. But like a lot of, you know, these different strategies that we talk about, most of them are subject to legislative risk. So, you know, depending on future presidents, just like in 2008, when the taxation of these non-qualified accounts changed, there's already been talk of, you know, eliminating this step up in basis. Um just because it would in turn generate a lot of tax revenue for the IRS. So you don't necessarily want to bank entirely on that because, you know, if it changes down the road, then you're going to have to reevaluate the strategy. Um, But that's something that we always just want to be kind of touching on to make sure that people are aware of.
1: And that's why we stress a lot of times when the calendar flips to the new year, some of your opportunities to implement some planning strategies for that year, they're gone. Right, so these po- you know public policy laws and rules can change, so it's important to take advantage of them while you have them.
0: That's why you guys have all those letters behind your name because you follow all that legislation for all of us. And one thing we know about retirement planning is that it does continue to change, and your retirement plan can change as your retirement vision changes, and you can continue to learn about all of those new changes right here on this podcast. It's retiring today. One opportunity to talk about your retirement and your retirement vision is our retirement checkup call. 15 minutes you can spend with one of the retirement planners here at Merkle Retirement Planning talking about Maybe you want to talk about non-qualified accounts. Maybe you heard Roth conversions and you liked uh, what Abby was talking about and you want to learn more. Go to MerklePlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. You'll get right on the calendars of our advisors and you can schedule a 15-minute call or you can continue to listen to this podcast. It's retiring today and we thank you for listening.
1: And we've talked about some of the, a couple of the nice advantages uh, of the non qualified accounts. Another advantage here too that um, you know when you own, we talked about that you with your non qualified money you can you don't own. Start it. that over. No.
2: <laughs> you, you do. <laughs> that was actually not a question.
0: <laughs> just go ahead and answer. <laughs> you don't have to. It's such a short podcast. Just answer.
1: I felt really good about it.
0: Um, I'm here to help. So, <laughs> and I, I know that you can take it. So that's why I did it to you.